Hey guys, it's Anna from Talkative. I am so excited to have finally found a coffee that doesn't leave me feeling jittery or overstimulated, and that's Pure Cure. Pure Cure is different from your average coffee company. They don't use artificial flavorings to mask a low-quality coffee. Instead, they have unique artisan roasts that showcase the full flavor of their coffee beans. I particularly love their signature blend, which is a take on amaretto, and you should check them out too. That's purecure, P-U-R-C-U-R, coffee.com. This is S. All I'm talking about pain talking and you. pleasure. Ooh, let's go together here. just like Romeo and Juliet. Good evening, talkative listeners. We are coming at you back in St. Louis tonight. <laughs> Unfortunately. I know. Nothing more disappointing than the end of a vacation. I know. Although the weather has been amazing here, so I don't beautiful. hate it. I know. It's been really nice, especially for me, because I've been moving this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. So if you guys recall, weeks and weeks and weeks ago, Anna had talked about house hunting and the struggle. She found a house, by the way. Found a house. (laughs) And we've been moving this weekend. And I forgot how much I hate moving. I really do. But it's exciting, nonetheless. It is exciting. And we have a lot of people that are helping us out. So that's been nice, too. Yeah. Good friends and family. Yeah. That's helpful. Oh, yeah. this morning you had some friends helping you. We did. They brought breakfast and hung out and helped unpack some things. And we goofed off and danced around to some music. And it was a good time. That's great. Breaking in the new house. Yes, I know. It'll be more exciting when it's everything's put away and it feels comfortable and we're not there yet we literally only set up our bed this morning so oh gosh you know (laughs) haven't really had even a place to sit down comfortably yet but uh looking forward to getting past this point and getting into the like oh we can have people over and like you know host things yeah show off the new house right yeah and 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 have a place to put all my stuff I feel like we were in an apartment before and it's just like there. it's hard to keep things organized when you feel like there's nowhere to put things because you're just bursting at the seams. Every square inch has to be utilized so carefully. Yep. And uh, yeah, I know you can relate. <laughs> I'm growing out of this apartment. I've I just signed my lease for the third year now. Yeah. And when I moved in two years ago, it was perfect. I was so ecstatic. I, I was like, this is the perfect size apartment. I wouldn't want anything bigger Mm -hmm. more to clean yada yada it's a one bedroom and it still theoretically should be a perfect size for me the problem is just like i have a bit of a shopping addiction (laughs) so i just keep bringing more things into my apartment and i am starting to grow out of it so i think i think maybe i won't be signing a fourth year who knows what life will be like a year from now but well but is that going to solve your problem or do you just need to purge things? No, I just need more space for things. Mm-hmm. I will say, though, to be fair, you do have small closets. You I have do. small, tight closet space and not good bathroom storage space either. So you end up having weird uh, uses for the tiny storage areas it's you have. True. Although the the problem is I'm so attracted to old homes. I know. And those are always going to have small closets. And so I'm not sure how I'll fix that problem if I keep committing to the 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 thing I love about the old homes, but like dealing with the bad, you know. I know you pay a price for the character. Yes, you do. Yes. But but it's, you know, you accommodate or you decide that you're going to just live with comfort and not 
character. <laughs> I know. I'll get there one day, but you I'm will. not there yet. Not yet. No. So, uh, Emily, anything new going on with you this week? Uh, let me think. Let's see. So, I, I work in events, and spring is really, really busy, but spring is winding down, and summer is officially starting here. Not according to the official season date, but as <laughs> right. far as, you know, summer vacation for kiddos and all that stuff and the heat. So... All that to say, work is slowing down. So I'm getting a more open schedule and I'm looking forward to filling it. I'm getting stuff on my calendar. I've got um, a baseball game. I don't go to baseball games. No, you don't. I've been to one in my whole life. (laughs) I know. My face when you just said you were going to a baseball (laughs) game. I was like, why? I know. I had a friend who's already coordinated a whole baseball thing like a month from now. So I've got that on the books. I've I've got a dance thing next weekend I'm really excited about. Um, You know, I, I might do something tomorrow you know it's fun we get a day off work and all that oh, so true. i might go see friends tomorrow and i'm i'm just trying to live it up while i have this free time this summer you know make the most of it but nothing too specific what about you yeah i'm just the move really yeah. i know <laughs> it is weird though when you get to be an adult and summers were such a thing when you were a kid and they mean something different when you're an adult which is like it still feels like there's a vacation on the horizon. It still feels like you're about to get a break, but you don't actually get a break the same way. You don't have three months off where you don't have to complete things. The magic is gone. Well, I wouldn't say it that way, but <laughs> well, I would. <laughs> I know. I know. The We're, passage of time is something you're so aware of in a different way and you fill it in such a different way and you never really get to let go of responsibilities like you did for summer vacation as a kid. So that's true. It's, it's just a different, different perspective. That's feeling. Now, before we move into our headline highlights this week, I just want to remind you all that you can find us on social media. We are on Facebook, facebook.com slash talkative magazine. And on Instagram, at Talkative Radio, where you can DM us, say hi, like our posts, whatever pleases you. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can also click on our tap link in our Instagram bio, where you can find all our past episodes anywhere you get your podcasts. You can also check us out on the News Talk STL website, too. So don't forget, look us up. Yeah. Well, I wanted to start off on kind of a goofy note here, uh, because I saw this. It was a people headline. And um, you're going to understand immediately why I think it's relevant. So the headline reads, Bride goes viral after spending $1,950 on Chili's takeout for her 100-guest wedding. And the quote is, can't beat the price. Oh, I know why this is funny. Yeah. So I got married five and a half years ago, almost six years ago now. And I, we were, we had like a 130 person wedding and, you know, not huge, but not, not tiny. And when we were looking for venues and things, the food was by far the biggest consideration because the cost was astronomical. We kept touring venues where we were like, oh, this venue's beautiful. It's affordable. But they make you choose a preferred caterer yep. and the caterer is astronomically expensive. And so we were really kind of racking our brains trying to figure out how we were going to afford to do what we wanted to do and also have food that we actually enjoyed eating. Because so often I feel like catered wedding food, buffet style, even plated dinners are disappointing. You like one of the sides, the meat's overdone, you know, the vegetables are too watery or whatever. And and it's (laughs) like you paid a lot of money to eat, to not eat, to, to pick around the plate and, you know. Yeah. not be pleased. So 
that was a long winded way to get to the point of <laughs> we decided to start shopping around restaurants, local restaurants, and we really, really love salt and smoke. So we went to them and we were like, hey, do you do catering? And at that time, they had ridiculously reasonable catering prices. Mm-hmm. And so we paid, honestly, a comparable amount. I think we paid maybe like $2,000 or something to have our 135-person wedding catered by Salt and Smoke. And the food was obviously fantastic. It was so, so good. Yeah. And, I mean, we were... We didn't care about having like, you know, real China or anything. People had buffet style. It was casual in that way, but the food was really good and people talked about it for a long time. And so I started recommending them to all my friends Mm -hmm. and I was like, guys, check this out. It'll save you a lot of money. They were so good. Well, they got wise. And a couple years ago, I had friends that were planning their wedding and my husband and I recommended salt and smoke to them. And they were like, um, their catering prices are comparable to everyone else's now which good for them they should good be making money on that but gosh it was such a steal when we did it it was yeah, so good that's smart then they did that at Chili's in your yeah. story that's yep. crazy I wonder if Chili's is gonna bother trying to get wise too and charge more or what if it's worth it but yeah I don't know but I mean I can't imagine a lot of people do that <laughs> mm, no I don't think they're gonna be uh you know sought after no restaurant the comments but. on the the post were a little funny people were like ew fast food and i'm thinking that's not fast food but sure <laughs> i get it i get it whatever people like bougie things for their weddings john stamos recently was on a podcast and he was talking about the reboot of full house full, Did, that's Fuller ended house. right yeah it's okay. ended in fact do you know what year it started i'm gonna say 2019 2016 no, really? Yeah, is that not crazy? I didn't realize it had been that long already. I didn't either. 2016 is when Fuller House came out. I can't believe that. But he was just recently reminiscing and reflecting and saying when it when the reboot was in the works and getting started, he was really angry that mm. Mary-Kate and Ashley weren't interested in being a part of it. Really? Yeah. He says he got over that and he ended up, you know, being more understanding and he's he's fine with it. But at first he was like, yeah, I was, I was angry. It took me a second to kind of get over that. But I just thought that was really interesting. And he went on, he's been on a couple podcasts and, and talked about this stuff. And apparently when they were babies on Full House, mm-hmm. he got them fired. Really? Did you hear that before? No. Yeah. He was not liking working with them they as were babies. Babies. I know. <laughs> like, <laughs> I guess they were too whiny or crying too much and he was like get these two gone he would he screamed he was like i got i can't work with them like get them fired so they they were fired they were gonna have to replace them with some other baby exactly so that's exactly what happened the olsen twins were replaced with different babies which john samos had a more difficult time working with so he's like bring the olsen twins back wow what a diva i know (laughs) i know but this doesn't paint him in a great light to be honest yeah i don't know i still picture him as charming though despite these stories i think he's probably still charming i'm sure he probably is oh so i have an update you re- you might recall a couple weeks ago i had given my um controversial take on the fact that taylor swift is a sociopath well i knew i wasn't the only one that thought this 
in in not so many words, Candace Owens and um, Brett Cooper Cooper were just talking about this, and I saw a clip of them that we're gonna play for you right now. And uh, yeah, I I feel validated. They're so like BFFs. They hang out all the time. All of a sudden, I think it's probably to try to make Candace more relatable. To I be think honest, so too. get a young girl around her so she doesn't sound so out of touch. Well, and so. I, I, I like Candace. I used to really like Candace. I feel like she comes across a little bit um, strong these days. And I think having Brett, you know, softens her. Softens her. Yep. Yeah. So here's the clip of them talking about Taylor Swift. Here's my thing about Taylor Swift. She is fully talented and fully crazy. And I just feel like even her fans need to admit that she's a very talented person, but she's also out of her mind and everything is a marketing and a PR move. Well, it's all manipulation. Yes. And the thing that freaks me out about her relationships, and you can go back and you can see this, is that she quite literally takes on their entire person. Whoever mm -hmm. she is dating, she becomes them for a little bit. Mm -hmm. She's basically... Who's the character from X-Men? Mystique. She becomes them, and then she sheds it when yeah. she's done. And Instantaneously. Yeah, like she dresses like yeah. them. The Kennedy boy, she was wearing mm -hmm. poodle skirts yeah. and bows in her hair, mm -hmm. and she basically became like Jackie O. Yeah. And like a 1950s skirt. She bought that skirts. whole house in Rhode Island. Oh, she buys the property yes. mm -hmm. near them mm -hmm. immediately. Well, she wanted to sell, but I think her father loves it, so she kept it after she broke up with that boy. Harry she Styles, yeah. she was, that was back in before he was wearing dresses. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the cardigans. And the, and the card yep. Yes, mm -hmm. she took on his personality. Interesting points. <laughs> I've not paid close enough attention to her relationships, but that would maybe explain her whole, this whole concept of Taylor Swift eras, how every album no is kidding. an era. Every album is a different way of dressing, a different way of doing her hair. Sheds her skin. If it's all inspired by the guys she's actually dating, that would be really interesting. You yeah. know what I what I thought of when... I do, but go ahead. Do. <laughs> I do. Tell me what you thought of. When I was listening to, to Candace talk about how she takes on the personality of these men that she dates, you it reminded me... You weren't thinking of Mystique. I know that. I don't mm. even know what that is. <laughs> I was thinking of Runaway Bride... Mm -hmm. And Julia Roberts' character in the 90s movie, Runaway Bride, with Richard Gere. Yes. And how it's different, though. She's not manipulative. But she gets engaged to these men and then leaves them at the altar. Right. Like, literally, it's wedding day. Leaves them at the altar. And Richard Gere points out to her, hey, how do you like your eggs? And she doesn't know. Because the thing is, she will order eggs exactly how the guy she's dating orders their eggs. And mm -hmm. that's her thing. And it's just him pointing out to her, do you even know what you like or who you are? Or do you always just take on the personalities of these men that you're about to marry? And that's why you freak out and don't marry them. I know. And that scene actually has always made such an impression on me for whatever reason that I feel very strongly now about knowing how I like my eggs. Yeah. Because I'm like, I better I better know this. I have to know. Or right. I, I can't get married. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I'm married. You're but married. <laughs> but I have to know. Yes. Anyway, but in Taylor's case, it's manipulative, according to you and Candace and Brett Cooper. Yeah. And I feel validated when I saw that <laughs> I was like I am not the only person talking about this and I hadn't brought up the dating thing but I think it's a great tangent I think it's a great side note yeah that's interesting Taylor Swift's the hot topic of a lot of conversations these days as always but uh, I know um can I just say though that I think it's so annoying because Plenty of artists go on tour. Plenty of artists have big deal tours, but I have not been bombarded with anybody's 
concert reviews and info like I have about Taylor's tour. I keep seeing on my algorithms on social media, like, and then tonight Taylor did so-and-so and and tonight Taylor did this. And I'm thinking, who cares unless you were there? Like like, people are still going to this concert. I don't know. She just dropped a new song, apparently like a surprise song. I don't know how it all works. Her speak now album. She released the re-recording of that album with a special edition and like a new song that's supposedly all about her breakup with Joe Alwyn. Well, she got on that quick, didn't she? I know. And she's already over him dating somebody new. I know. So mm. it is a little weird. It is a little weird. But when we come back, we are going to get into something a little bit heavier and uh, talk about some women's reproductive rights issues. Stay tuned. Talk to Magazine on air. When she was 20, future looked bright. But she's nearly 30 now, and she's out every night. That song just crushes me so much. That was 22 by Lily Allen. And you know what I just noticed? Is the very beginning sounds like a funeral. Did you ever notice that before? You know, I never did, but now that you say it, I, I just, am hearing it. I just noticed it, and that's sad. <laughs> now, I won't get into this now because, you know. We have things to talk about. We have things about. to talk about, but I could dissect that song, and and I could just cry and be <laughs> upset. Maybe maybe Ken can have us on his show, and we can dissect dissect yeah. that song or something else. Mm. Yeah, we'll we'll give Ken some like newer, quote unquote newer, because that yeah. song's from 2009. It's pretty old now. Yeah, but some newer songs to... This century. Yeah, discuss. All right, what do you got? You said you have some important women's rights things to discuss, Anna. I do. And you know what? Actually, thank you for repeating that, because I actually wanted to correct yeah. myself, okay. because I actually hate the phrasing women's reproductive rights, um, because when... Obviously, obviously, you must know that I'm going to start talking about abortion. Right. And, uh, you know, the overturning of Roe v. Wade and yada, yada. And I think that when we say things like women's reproductive rights, it gives the impression that abortion falls under that umbrella and it does not. Um, and so I, I'm coming from that stance, which is that that is a human life. That's a baby. It's a person. And they need to be protected right. under our laws. So the minute that you decide to have sex and get pregnant, then that's no longer your reproductive rights. That's another person who's now relying on you to take care of them. Right. It's the right to life. Yes. Not reproductive rights of the women, of exactly. the women carrying these babies. Yes. So I'm, I'm correcting myself for repeating a, a tagline that's been said a lot, but I didn't mean it that way. Yeah. It, it, it makes the topic sound much more like it falls under the medical umbrella exactly you know it, it just yeah so the reason that this is coming up though is because i have seen so much content lately of um i've seen two separate stories actually about basically the same topic which is women that have carried their children to term given birth and then either abandoned their child or allowed their child to die after giving birth. So the one story, um, the headline reads, mother arrested nearly four years after abandoned baby Indy 
Korea discovered alive in plastic bag. So this video, um, there's like a whole story on it. This woman gave birth to her child. She um, threw the baby in a trash can in a dumpster and some dumpster divers found the baby. And thankfully, oh my gosh. thankfully the baby was alive. So that child is now, this is four years ago. That child is now, you know, with someone else and okay, they survived. Yeah. It's fine. But, um, but people are up in arms over this and the comment section, I hate, I hate reading. I love it, but I hate it. I hate reading the comment section on yeah. these kinds of stories because as expected, um, there's obviously outrage over a mother abandoning her child in a trash can, you know, as you would expect. But there's also people saying, well, you know, we're just going to see more and more of this because women are being forced to give birth. No. You, so I'm sorry. You think that a human, a mother's instinct is to put their baby in the trash right. because they couldn't have the abortion they wanted six months earlier or however long earlier. You think that it's human instinct to just put your baby in a trash can? Right. Well, and to to play devil's advocate, right, people are also commenting, saying things like, well, she needs to be checked for postpartum depression and postpartum okay. anxiety. Fair. I get it. Yeah. The, people don't talk enough about that. I think only in the past 10 years or so. The first person I really ever heard that suffered with that was Hayden Panettiere publicly. Really? Yeah. Like she gave up rights to her daughter for her husband because she, she suffered so badly where she was having, you know, visions of herself hurting her child right. kind of thing. And, um, they, they had a temporary semper separation so that she could take care of herself and, you know, figure out hormonally what was causing those issues. You know, that's what I wonder. I know that's a little off topic, but I know postpartum depression is something that people experience, women experiences, and it is mm -hmm. being talked about more. But I wonder how much it's just being light is being shed on it more versus how much it's actually more of an issue now than it ever used to be. I wonder if there's that's something true. else because we're talking so much about all these other things in our environment and in our food and our this and our this that alter our hormones which control our bodies and our emotions and so much of us more than we ever have talked about until recently. That's true. And I wonder if that plays a role in these cases of postpartum depression in this generation of mothers. I don't know. I'm sure it probably does. Our plastic usage, all the, you know, endocrine hormonal disruptors in our fragrance things in our homes and clothing and whatever. Yeah. I'm sure that plays a part. But it's also, I mean, if you just like play it out, it makes sense logically. You think, oh, I've got all these hormones pumping through my body as I carry a child. And the moment that I give birth to that child, my body adjusts accordingly and suddenly I have this massive drop. Yeah. And and so, you know, and not to mention the bizarre sensation of having a child inside of you and all of a sudden they are not and now they're a separate entity when they were part of you before and you know yeah so so I understand that but and and there's a legitimate question to be had about what caused this woman to abandon her child in a dumpster um, that doesn't change the fact that she should be prosecuted for that and I she is she is being prosecuted they finally found her and tracked her down but she's not the only one by far Another story I saw recently, a 19-year-old girl in New Mexico went to a hospital and was full term, started going into labor. She locked herself in the bathroom of the hospital, gave birth, 
and put her baby in the trash can in the bathroom and the baby suffocated oh and died. And when the the hospital restrained her, the cops came and they were like, this was a full-term child that you birthed, that you had. And the most strange thing about that is that in New Mexico, it would have been legal. For, if she would have shown up at an abortion facility instead of a hospital, she would not be getting arrested. Really? She could have had an abortion that day and not had an issue. And now people are up in arms because it's inhumane that that child suffered and died in a trash can. But they're not up in arms over the fact that she could have gone to have that child injected with poison. Right. And that would have been fine. This is why it doesn't make sense. This is why this does not make sense. And it gets me so enraged because people don't want to take responsibility. The minute that they have to see it, the minute that they have to acknowledge that that is in fact a human, and of course it's inhumane to let a child suffer and suffocate, then it's a problem. But but in the womb, anything can happen because you don't have to watch it, you don't have to see it. It's easy to call it a medical procedure. Right. Well, it's a matter of people wanting to alter definitions of simple, true things yes you know we don't want to acknowledge or the general population today for some reason here in the u.s doesn't want to acknowledge that the baby inside a woman is a baby Mm -hmm. just like you know but then if they have an issue with that woman putting her newly birthed child in the trash versus going to the abortion clinic that day before it's come out of her right killing the baby if they can't see that those are actually the same thing happening then they're just denying an obvious truth there. If they can't explain why they're disturbed by the story of the baby in the trash, it, it reminds me of the, you know, what is a woman yes. question that, you know, Mar- Matt Walsh dealt with too. It's like, once you're trying to ask them a simple, straightforward question, mm-hmm. they just try to divert as much as possible from answering it. My favorite one is, well, but pro-lifers don't care about life after birth. They care, they're pro-birth. But but what about all the children? You should be adopting 20 kids. You should be adopting children. Mm-hmm. There's so many children. And it's, they're not the same issue. They are relevant issues. Yes, of course, our foster system needs work. Of course, we have too many kids that are not in loving homes. But the problem really, and, and I'm going to play a clip that, talk specifically about this but the problem really is that we keep bringing children into this world without a stable home life Mm -hmm. they don't have two parents they don't have parents that were committed to each other right so one of the oh go ahead yeah well if we just had the values agreed upon that we once did decades ago at least to a great extent not entirely there's always some weirdos but if we just had the values that people would just agree to live by the ethical moral things we would have more families and good homes for these babies who are born to live in you know and more faith-filled people we'd have more churches and communities for people to seek help you know and all those things but well so that's exactly it and i think that um so to to introduce this clip i'm going to play lila rose um was on the whatever podcast and if you've not heard of the whatever podcast a lot of clips from it have been going viral because um it's got a lot of shock value <laughs> but basically there's one guy that's a host and he has he he's coming from a conservative kind of lens and he always has on just these gen z millennial you know kids basically that are t- giving their perspective on things almost always 
unintelligibly. Almost mm. always with very little um, facts to back them up and without a lot of forethought about what they're going to actually say. They come in very emotional most of the time. Even when the topics are pretty light, they talk a lot about dating and things. But in this clip with Lila Rose, um, th- he, he's talking to someone about procreation and sex. So here is that clip. Sex and procreation are two different things. Right, but when somebody That's has right, sex, when, when sex somebody... Can bring life into the world. W- exactly. When somebody has sex, they are risking procreation. So the two are obviously intertwined. By the sure. way, I think the whole framing is so sad. I know you're saying that, Chase, because it's like, that's the way people think today is, oh, I'm going to have sex and risk procreation. When creating a new human life is so amazing. Not if you don't have resources, not if you don't have money, not if you don't have support. Lila, the thing is, people, people don't think about the fact that they're risking procreation, I, I know. which well, is that, why we're that, in the situation that, where... That's true, but also, what if people chose not to have sex until they were in a relationship publicly with someone they were committed to for life and prepared to have children that might come from that. We'd have a lot less murdered babies. Yeah, so I thought it was interesting. They kind of, so nobody really commented on the points that were made because it was a short clip. Right. But um, Lila Rose, is that the one that was making the... Yeah, Lila okay. Rose is the pro-life advocate. Okay, she's yeah. okay. I, I heard the name before, but I'm like, why do I know that name? Yeah. So I, I like how she ch- she stopped the guy and said, I know why you're saying it, but the phrasing of risking procreation, I think that's unfortunate. I get what he's saying that too, but the phrasing to say risk, you know, because that right. immediately has that negative connotation about pregnancy. Yes. Like it has, you know, progressively gotten more and more negative for decades now but it's such a negative way of looking at the prospect of getting pregnant and but that is is. how we look at it it's a risk you're risking it every time you decide to have sex well and it's a shame too because because this is the prevailing thought behind you know our sex ed and the conversations that kids are having in the media and whatever it means that it, we've been pushing more and more women on birth control, hormonal birth control, IUDs, all these things. And we are only now really seeing the effects of those things. The fact that the birth rate is so low, we're not even at replacement rate. Um, you know, we're, we have and the fastest growing sector of the population is our elderly um, because our life expectancy is going up, but mm-hmm. people aren't having kids. And that's not sustainable. No. It's also so many people that decide at 30 that they want children are now unable to have children naturally. They have to go through IVF or fertility services or they have all these hormonal imbalances and problems that we haven't been addressing. And this is all a a side conversation of the abortion conversation, but it's all relevant. And, And to tie that in, abortion you know depending on the method and whatever also can leave fertility impacts it can also impact your ability to have future kids that you may want not to mention how do you explain that to a child later well i kept you but your sibling yeah your sibling didn't it was at the time that is strange in my opinion um it's to i just want to squeeze this in before we we go to our break Chloe Kardashian recently spoke about her surrogacy experience because she just had a baby via surrogacy. And she was saying how guilty she felt. She's like, it felt very wrong to have that baby get taken immediately from the woman who carried the baby for nine months and given to me. 
yeah. and just taken to another room all of a sudden. And she was just reflecting on a lot of sadness and disconnect then that she also had with her biological child. She just yes. was disconnected with the child and all this stuff. But then she also wraps up by saying, I mean, it's the surrogacy is good. And I'm mm-hmm. thinking, quit trying to convince yourself that it's good. You clearly feel terrible. And that's the thing is no one wants to own up to their actions. No one wants to deal with the consequences. And that's why so many pro-abortion advocates will double down and say, but look at the life I've had. We see Chelsea Handler, not that I know if she's had an abortion, but she's childless and doubles down and says, I'm so happy that I am middle-aged and have no children or spouse. And it's like people that are truly happy don't beat you over the head with the fact that they're happy. Mm-mm. Just give it a little thought, I think. <laughs> I don't think you can come out on the side of pro-abortion if you if you spend any time in the weeds on this. Honestly. When we get back, we will be talking about some books we've been reading lately, so stay tuned. Talkative. Talkative. Magazine on air. Hello. Welcome back. So I wanted to say something I just remembered before we get into our book reviews. Tell me. I was at a little lake day with some friends yesterday and the host was updating me on a little stuff, a little bit of things, something. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, let me restart that sentence. Talkative. The host was updating me on some things going on with his family. Okay. And his sister is a contender and might be cast on Love is Blind. Oh, no way. Yeah, she'll find out in June. She'll find out next month. Oh, I am on the edge of my seat for this. I'm very curious. But okay, I have gone back now and watched. So I started watching episode or season four and I watched all of season four. And then I went back and I watched the earlier seasons. And it seems to me that by the time they do the reunion episode, they're already a year out from when they filmed. So this must be for a season that's coming in like, what, two years? Like, this has to be far out before we would even see this. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But I'm I'm ready to hear the results. I really want to know. For... His family's sake, I hope she doesn't get it. They don't want her on the show. No. I <laughs> can't imagine going into that and, and having your family have to deal with that. I know. Uh, yeah. Eh. I, I think that's probably a reason that a lot of them don't succeed is because then they spring this person on their families and they're like, by the way, we're engaged. I think that's like the a, a huge thing. It's like if they care about their families and their relationships with their families at all, then they are uncomfortable bringing this new person around. Yeah. Like, hey, I know you guys know me, know me really well, have known me my whole entire life, but let me just drop this bomb of this person I decided to marry. Yeah. Like right now. I know and everybody feels shame when they have to do that part. I think so. I think yeah. so, for sure. Okay, so I wanted to talk about some book things. I don't get an opportunity to read nearly as much as I wish I did, but our little beach vacation gave me quite a lot of time to lounge and read which is so nice it was so nice but I read some fun things you actually read some fun things whoa too. whoa what is that supposed to mean <laughs> that means that you don't read often Anna you don't read often that's just truth it's not you're not illiterate you just don't sit down and read a book very often I don't yeah you know 
But but you found a good one, right? The one I you think were I did. I haven't finished it. It's actually I'm very surprised. I bought this bro- <laughs> <laughs> book. Magazine. I bought on this air. book at a book fair thing that you and I went to a couple months back. It's called The Appeal, and it's really big. It's like four hundred something pages, like five hundred pages. Which you're nodding like that's normal, <laughs> but that's huge <laughs> to me. Um, it's a time commitment that it's you a time don't commitment. often invest. Now, so. I will say, though, it's not written like a traditional novel. So it does move quickly. The entire book is a compilation of messaging. So emails and texts and such. So it all reads a little more quickly and doesn't fill the page like a normal novel does. Well, and it also probably gives you opportunity for frequent stops. Right. So that's kind of nice for you as somebody that you know, uh-huh. struggles to get through a chapter without having to take a break to do Goodness, something. Goodness, Anna, you, you don't make me look good. Um, it's true, though. There's no chapters actually at all. So oh, that's I just weird. I just decide when I think it's a good break, you know, mm-hmm. um, which is maybe frequent. But hey, that, <laughs> would, that would maybe stress me out a little bit. I'm liking the book, though. It's it's interesting. So it's basically a whodunit is how they kind of uh, build it on the back, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure who done what yet. So I, I don't know. <laughs> I, there hasn't been a specific crime, so I actually don't think it's quite a who done it. I think it's more just like something shady is going on, and what is it? And I'm only about halfway through, so maybe you know, maybe I just haven't hit the climax part of it yet. But right mm-hmm. now, it just feels like every a lot of people are shady, and we don't know what's going on and who's really to not be trusted or what. That's interesting though, because by halfway through, you would think that if it's a kind of whodunit murder mystery sort of thing that you would know at least that what the big event was even if you don't know who did what there's no murder oh Hmm. so i guess i misunderstood the back of the book (laughs) anyway no i i'm with you i read the back of the book (laughs) too and i don't remember it's been months since i did that but i got that impression also so yeah yeah i'll probably borrow it when you're done really simply put though just to get the overview it's basically you're you're following all these people who belong to a community theater company, mm. it seems. And so that's kind of fun because I did theater in my college life and in my young adult life. So it's kind of like, oh, this is a familiar feeling in a way. That is fun. But, so it's all these people in this theater company. And you've got the like head people of the company, the big shots, the ones that really run it. Their granddaughter, two-year-old granddaughter, has been diagnosed with cancer Mm. and now they're trying to raise money the appeal they're trying to raise money to get her this special medicine it's all set in um england so they're trying to raise money to get this medicine from the u.s okay and so it's about this fundraising and and stuff like that so we're kind of trying to figure out who's to be trusted where is this money going is that person shady but there's all these characters and moving parts there's this one character though that she's written a little too well because she's (laughs) really annoying she's really (laughs) annoying and she's almost kind of like a main character she's she's we get her perspective a lot so it I like it and I hate it in that regard, that character, because I like how well she's written and how much it affects me emotionally to get frustrated with her. But I hate being so frustrated <laughs> with her. Um, Feels too much like real life. A little bit. Yeah. I think yeah. if you read this book, anybody would know that this character, Isabel or Izzy, you would immediately come, someone would spring to mind that you've experienced oh. that she reminds you of, you know? Yeah. Well, that's good writing, but that's um, potentially unfortunate. Yeah. And potentially a deterrent. But I do intend to finish it. I know it's been a week since I picked it up, but <laughs> I, th- I should get back into it. You will. I'll bug you. Um, I got through 
a book and then I got most of the way through a second book. And I'm telling you, this never happens for me with a toddler and a, you know, Mm -hmm. busy social life, uh, you know, busy social life. Well, uh, with my immediate family, (laughs) (laughs) Um, I just never have time to sit and read. And by the time I do, I'm too tired and then I end up falling asleep. So I got through a book that uh, was better than I thought it was going to be, to be honest. It was also a book that I bought at that book fair. And we have gone to, you and I have gone to two of them. I've been to three of them. Um, it's a book fair hosted by Perennial Brewery in partnership with The Novel Neighbor. These are both local businesses um, that are pretty cool. And they do like a little, um, you know, drinks and it, it has the feel of a scholastic book fair kind of. <laughs> but for adults. But for adults. And um, they curate them. So Novel Neighbor comes in. They did a Christmas one that was all holiday-themed books and, you know, winter scenes and Regency-era stuff. And then they did a Valentine's one and they did a Halloween one and it was all witchy and things. So they're really fun. I've enjoyed going to them. And every time I've impulse bought more than I should have. Yep. Um, but I bought this book. It's called In Five Years. It's by Rebecca Searle. And it's a pretty short one. In fact, the the quote by the one of the reviewers on the back was something like, a read in one sitting book. It is a little longer than that, <laughs> to be honest. It's not quite that short. But the basic premise is you've got this uptight, very um, scheduled, regimented person, this girl. She's an attorney. And she... Um, is engaged this guy and their relationship's great and she goes to bed and she wakes up in a different apartment with a different ring on her finger with a different guy and she spends an, and and she's five years to the day in the future she is she, she pieces this together by the things that happen and the conversations they have she wakes up you know and deals with that she's there for an hour she falls back asleep when she wakes back up she's back in her normal life and and she's convinced this is not a dream what happened to her is not just you know a bizarrely accurate real life dream it was like some kind of time travel or some kind of you know look into the future yeah and she's like how do i avoid this like how do i get away from what's about to happen it's not that what happened to her was so bad, but she's engaged to this guy she loves and she wakes up with somebody else and she's like, I don't understand. So she literally spends the next five years trying to figure out oh. what, yeah. So it, the the twists and turns that it takes, there are some things that are um, reliably predictable. It's kind of, you know, it's it's got um, kind of a moody, like chick flick kind of, you know, chick lit kind of vibe. Is, is there humor? Yeah, I mean, it's not all heavy, but okay. but it definitely gave me things to think about because it doesn't take the turn you think it's going to take. You don't, I, I didn't see it coming. I, I saw certain things coming, but, but, but it doesn't, it's not predictable. It's not like, oh, well, she just fell out of love with her, you know, mm-hmm. her fiance and she ended up with this other guy and it's meant to be. That's not the plot. And it's really interesting how they get where they go. So she never flashes forward to the future again though never she just spends the next five years trying to figure it all out yes okay Mm -hmm. and as the and as the clock dwindles and you're like oh we're this much time out from that date we're this much time and you're like how is this going to get there i don't understand Hmm. it's interesting it's really interesting maybe she's just crazy it was just a vivid dream 
Maybe. You'll have to read to find out. That would be a cop out. Again, it was called <laughs> In Five Years by Rebecca Searle, if you're interested. I do recommend it. It was it was good. It's hard to find things that don't hit you over the head with a little bit of, you know, political woke whatever. True. And that one was pretty light. It really, really didn't go, you know, heavy into it. This other one I'm reading that I didn't get all the way through is called The X Talk. And uh, that one, that one's a little more pushy but still not not hit you over the head too too hard too often it's more rom-commy more rom-commy more lighthearted, more predictable perhaps but what i've been liking about it is that the male lead the male main character is written in a way that m- most aren't he's got a different kind of thing going for him which is cool okay so uh basically the x talk is about this producer at a radio station she's like 29 she's worked there for 10 years and her dream has to has been to be on the radio she wants to be the host of a show but she's a really good producer and her boss doesn't appreciate her and whatever yada yada so anyway there's this new young journalist that comes a new reporter and he's kind of a know-it-all he's straight out of grad school he keeps mentioning the fact that he's got his master's you Mm -hmm. know that kind of thing and Basically, the station is um, public radio. They're trying not to go under. And so they are sitting at a pitch meeting trying to come up with new ideas for shows. And Shay, the producer girl, throws out the idea like, what if it's a dating show, but it's hosted by two exes? And they eat it up. The (sighs) station eats it up. And they're like, that's great. They notice that she has really, you know strong banter with this new journalist guy and even though they've never dated they're going to pretend to be exes and they come up with a backstory and they're going to host a radio show i find that to be a much better option than real exes i think that sounds so unhealthy (laughs) well that's true but they do a good job and the show's successful and you get to you know obviously they're going to run into some hurdles they're going to actually fall in love they're Mm going to you know mm -hmm. i'm not spoiling anything you wouldn't know right but but i like it because for a comforting kind of chick lit sort of book the male lead is written in a way that's different than usual and he's not gonna be so aloof to obvious things and he's not gonna do the things that irk you where you scream at the tv like why did you get in a fight over that if you would have just said one thing to clarify Ooh, okay that actually i like that that reminds me of a tv show yeah. sorry <laughs> no no yeah there was that, that tv show jane the virgin yes i loved that show for so many reasons but one thing was just how honest and good and relatable all the characters were even the villains were good in that show i know it was a soap opera inspired or telenovela inspired tv show so it was all this high drama and like you know evil twin and all that like all of it and yet everybody was so honest like they weren't shady and all these moments that you would expect a normal show to to see conflict there was no conflict in certain moments that you would expect it on yes. another show. And it was so surprisingly like just good and refreshing. So and it, and it was also very funny. It Ro- was. Rogelio was a fantastic character, 
But uh, the X talk, I haven't finished yet, so I can't vouch for the ending. But <laughs> if you're interested in that one, it's by Rachel Lynn Solomon. And that was another impulse purchase. We'll let you know if we hear anything about another perennial novel neighbor yeah. team up. I would think they'd maybe do a beach read one, a summary one, or maybe we'll do three a year and we'll have to wait till October for the next one. They but. should do a summer one, though, because October, like Halloween, Christmas, Valentine's Day, feels pretty tight. It does. And then to just not take advantage of anything in the summer. I, I know. Now, but, yeah. I didn't I didn't give you guys the author of my book. Oh, that's right. I didn't even read the author's name once in my life since I've had it. <laughs> Silly me. So The Appeal, which I discussed, is by Janice Hallett. Hmm. Janice Hallett. None of these author names are names I know, but uh, on a slightly related off topic, have you seen that um, It Ends With Us by Colleen Hoover is being made into a movie? And Dude, I have no idea what this is at all. I just know everyone's freaking out over Blake Lively yeah, being so, cast in it. And if you haven't looked at pictures of Blake Lively, go do it because she looks absolutely horrible. And to make that girl look horrible, you have to do something very, very wrong. And people are losing their minds over the the promo, like little sneak peek shots that they're getting uh, of her. Okay, got it. Apparently also not... Um, in line with the book, although I haven't read that one. That's the impression I got. Is people were just like, Blake Lively doesn't belong as this character is the yeah. impression I got. But that brings us to the end of our time with you. Enjoy your Sunday night. Talk it to Magazine on air. This is SR1.